the big uh, introduction that I wrote up and gave the pastor, he said no. He said do it yourself. Not true at all. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke. Just hold that for a bit. Uh, When I um, was looking at Luke this morning, we'll be in Luke chapter 8 shortly, I I noticed something, and uh, it's interesting how I hope things aren't coming full circle when I tell you this, but I looked at the uh, Luke chapter 8, and I was reading through a couple of verses ahead of where we're going to be, and I all of a sudden realized, it says, uh, and they being afraid, wondered, this is about the uh, disciples in the ship, what manner of man is this? And I remembered that the first message I ever preached, I think uh, Pastor Brown, I don't know when it was, but sometime, obviously after being saved, uh, he came to me and said, I'm going to be away on a Sunday night and you're going to preach. And I'm like, what's that mean? (laughs) And I preached a, a message the Lord gave me on that very thing. What manner of man is this talking about Jesus? Uh, So when I saw that, here's what my mind said. Hmm, that was the first one. Hope this isn't the last one now that I'm back in Luke. But um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, So a few weeks ago, I was uh, working out in the yard, putting some rocks along the edge of the house and uh, digging. And I'm going to date myself here. I was wearing a pair of dungarees and a T-shirt. If you're under 40, that would be blue jeans, okay, blue jeans, that's what they used to call them, dungarees. So I was wearing those, and, and I had on that just a white T-shirt, and I have no idea why I'd be wearing a white T-shirt, digging in the yard and making a mess, and of course, wiping my hands on my pants and getting filthy and wiping them all over my shirt. And, uh, and then when I realized how filthy the shirt was, you know, I threw it in the wash and I threw a second pot in there. And then I found that Joanne had, uh, some kind of Clorox brighteners that were in the, in the laundry room also. So I threw one of those in there and I washed all the laundry and then I washed the pants again and then I washed the shirt again. And, uh, I took it out and I was like, oh, it's clean, but it's stained. So no big deal. I put it away. I just folded it up and put it in the drawer. And then during this week, as I was uh, uh, taking out some T-shirts, I said, oh, here's this one. Uh, it's stained and it just doesn't look right. And I, I put it on the bed and I just took some others and wore them. And then uh, this morning when I was uh, getting ready and getting prepared to leave for church, I looked and I saw that stained T-shirt on the bed and I knew it was clean. Again, it's been washed, but uh, I said, you know, I'm going to wear that today. And, and the reason it was the Lord struck me with it because it's very similar to our behavior in the Christian life. You see, you see me with a suit and tie on, and, um, but I know what's underneath. A clean but stained T-shirt. And sometimes that's how we present ourselves. We present ourselves, you know, uh, uh, externally very well. But under the surface, there's oftentimes a lot that's hidden. And we're going to look at some of those things tonight. If you would, look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew, I know I said Luke, we'll be there. uh, Or I could just read the for you. Matthew 23, uh, verses 25 through 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, 
cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, then the outside of them may be clean also. Now, my hope is that this is going to be an exaggerated uh, application of that. I know that each one of us has weaknesses. Uh, Each one of us has, in measure, some besetting sins that we have to deal with on a regular basis. And I want to take into account Philippians 1.6, where it says, being confident of this very thing, that he, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is the one who's doing a work in us. He's the one who's changing us, even as we struggle through these areas. Um, In James chapter 2, the scripture says in verses 1 to 3, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and he have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool, are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? One of the things that we have to be careful of as Christians is this outward appearance. And it winds up where it can be, uh, a difficult spot to 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 handle. Um, I can remember uh, Pastor Peslak always mentioning uh, conforming without transforming, conforming or just making the outside look good, but the under the the inside's still a mess or still uh, dirty and uh, in discord. I can remember many years ago. Um, some of you know uh, uh, Pastor Abby uh, Norman uh, was a deacon here. When I first got saved, Brother Verone and another family had uh, bought me a, uh, my first Bible, 25 years old, first Bible I ever owned. And uh, I came walking into, into the CBI building one day, and I don't know, with all, you know, I don't know what we had, two kids at the time, and, you know, you're shuffling things in, and I must have been carrying my Bible up like this. And I can remember Norman or Pastor Abby uh, making a comment about, um, uh, wow, I, I, he patted me on the back, well, I like the way you're carrying that Bible. Oh, well, you know what that does? That makes you go, hmm, I'm going to carry that Bible like that the next time. But it was, he didn't know if I read it. He didn't know where that Bible sat all week long. It was just that measure of praise. What did that do and what does that do for us? Now, we know in Proverbs it says, let another man praise thee. Uh, and, and oftentimes we have to be careful. That can make us feel good. Uh, that can make us uh, uh, want to perform in some way. Well, We don't want the Christian life to be just performance. We don't want it to be just uh, this superficial thing on the outside that we do, uh, and it only lasts for a very short period of time. Our transformation must be uh, rooted much deeper. Uh, That area that we talked about in Matthew, or we read, Matthew 23, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, and the outside of them may be clean also. Uh, we want to see our lives change, and God obviously wants to see our lives change. It's going to be a work that he's doing on the inside that is going to drive it to the outside. We spoke about that for a moment in the soul winning meeting yesterday about for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You fall in love with Christ, you draw close to him, you're not going to be able to not speak. You're going to be compelled to talk. In just a moment, we're going to pray, and then we're going to read uh, in Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 26 through 29. Let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you would do a work here this evening. 
You know that I can't do a thing without you. I admit that often. I admit that every day. I need the Holy Spirit of God to uh, teach and guide and direct. So, Holy Spirit, would you have your way here tonight? Give us ears that are attentive. Uh, Lord, would you help me to be illustrative where it needs to be? But, Lord, really, I'm just down to earth and practical. Uh, So, Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you would uh, do a mighty work in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, look at uh, Luke chapter um, 8, and let's look at verse 26. Here we have uh, uh, the account. I think they were in the ship, and then they, they come over, and at 26, speaking of the disciples and with Jesus, and they gathered, or and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes. Neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness." I want to present from this passage seven points of what I'm going to call self-examination. First Corinthians uh, 11.28, but let a man examine himself. That's directly related to the Lord's Supper. But I can remember I can remember hearing uh, or reading uh, uh, from a preacher years ago. And he mentioned how he teaches a principle to somebody and says, here, apply this principle in this problem that you're having. And he said, but what shocked me oftentimes is that I'd be surprised that the people then could not take that principle and apply it into another area of life. They'd come back to me and they'd say, now I have this problem. He'd say, well, apply the principle I just taught you. And they couldn't see it. So even though I know uh, this is talking, 1 Corinthians 11.28 deals directly with uh, the Lord's Supper, but the principle of examining ourselves applies across the board. It's not just in that one little area. So what I want to do here in, in giving you some things to look at, these seven, seven areas of, of self-examination, the problem with self-examination is we can become very good at it and then it becomes outward also. Uh, but really it's for us. It's, it's in that personal time, in that quiet time, in those private times, you looking within and saying, what am I truly like? How, how do I truly handle things? How do I truly behave? Uh, what are the evidences of what God is doing? And I want you to see some of those here. Excuse me. In verse 27, one of the first areas of examination that I noticed is what it says is that he wear no clothes. Wear no clothes. And I thought... What do we need to do about examining ourselves in this idea of attire, attire, our clothing? We need to look at those things. We need to check and see, uh, how do I handle this? You see, part of these is it's not this. This man was it talks about he was uh, possessed of the devils. Uh, I'm not talking about us being possessed by a spirit, but I'm wondering about the spirit that we possess that spirit that we demonstrate or that spirit that we show, if you can see that. So first thing, examine yourselves in the area of attire. Maybe you question yourself, what's my perspective? What's my perspective on clothing? Joanne and I went uh, the other day. She took me to somewhere down um, on East Broadway in Milford. I think it's called the Greek spot. 
It's a little restaurant that's got three or four tables out on the street. It's probably a thousand feet away from Silver Sand State Park. And uh, we just sat there and we had some dinner, about four or so. And then I thought, well, we'll go for a walk. Sometimes she'll want to go over to uh, uh, that beach, the boardwalk there, and take a walk. Um, but it was light at this time, and I look over and I see the beach is pretty crowded with people, and we don't normally go there to end just too, too many things that you don't even look for and you wind up seeing you can imagine. Um, don't imagine. But what is, what is the perspective on clothing? And I looked at this and I see this, this influence that was here was that he was naked. And attire, we might just look on the outside, but, you know, attire reveals a lot about the spirit that's on the inside. And that's the area that I want us to be careful with. Uh, you're self-examining yourself. Am I willing to align with what I understand from God's word? Now, sometimes what you understand from God's word is what you hear from the pulpit. Maybe you hear something from your Sunday school class. But it also needs to be, what do I think about a subject? What do I find in the word of God about a subject? And, and this area of clothing is revealing about your spirit and it's revealing about our spirit. Now you might put on, you know, like I said, I've got a, I got this shirt and I got the tie on and I've got the jacket, but I know underneath this shirt I have a clean but stained t-shirt that I'm wearing. And we put on our clothes and we come into church on a Sunday. How are you on Monday? What are things like on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? What are things like at work? I can remember years ago saying to Joanne, she was, she was uh, working at the Y, as is working at the Y, but at that time, some different things were going on. I think she was getting some promotions and moving up there. And I said to her, listen, I said, if you put on a dress when you go to work and you make yourself look proper and professional, you're going to notice a different attitude from the people that you have to deal with, the people that you're going to communicate with, and it lends to itself an error authority. So there is a measure of things looking on the outside, but we don't want it just to be on the outside. But one of the areas of examination that you have to ask yourself is, how do I handle this area of my attire? Do I, do I just put it on for Sunday morning and my attitude and my spirit is different the rest of the week? I'm not there to judge that. Nobody else is there to judge that. That's an examination for you to look again at verse 27. And it says here that neither at the end of the verse says neither abode in any house. And I call this one the unsettled living. I had a family some years ago, if I mentioned them, some of you would know them, uh, from the bus route. And I can remember I would go down there to pick them up. And in the, uh, uh, when I first met them, they were living in one house. And a short time later, they were uh, 500 feet down the road living in another house. And a short time later, they were back down the other end of the road living in a third house. And then, honestly, within a year of all of this taking place, they were living even on an, in another house. Now, that's a measure of unsettled living. It's, I don't see that going on in our church families and things like that. Uh, but it's a, this unsettled living is a life that fluctuates. It's bouncing all over the place. Um, it's, it is a, a life that... Uh, even in our area of opinions and, and all of these different things, we're just not settled in. There's an unsettled life. I remember, now I'm not, I'm not condoning this, but I understand what the man was saying. He said that I would rather you as a dad, he said I would rather you as a dad take the NIV, get settled in with it, 
Teach your kids the principles, the, the illustrations, the understanding of the word of God, than not have anything that you're so bound up. Now, I'd say, obviously, take the King James and do those things. But he say you as a parent would be better off doing that than waffling all over the place all the time and living an unsettled life in front of your children with unsettled opinion, unsettled principles, unsettled uh, 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 details or unsettled principles. We need to look at those ourselves and say, where am I? I've got to examine my own spirit and is, on, is Sunday morning just the morning that I dress right? But the underlying spirit is, I don't really care about this. I just do it. Neither abode they in a house. How about is it, do we have that measure of unsettled living? You know, it may be that uh, I can remember back, like I said, to, to that time, walking into White Oak Baptist Church in 1983, being in some turmoil about something, and, and the Lord brought it about. I said, okay, Lord, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to settle this decision right now. I, in 1983, in the lobby of the CBI building, I said, Lord, I will never allow myself to be tempted to leave White Oak Baptist Church again unless you tell me to go. Hasn't said anything yet. Listen, I, you know what? White Oak Baptist Church is not perfect. You know how I know that? I'm here. But we've settled in and we said we're going to do the best we can to have a settled in life. We don't want to have that unsettled life. When we have a behavior that's not regular, steady, or uniform, uh, it really does cause all sorts of problems for those around us, all sorts of problems for our families, all sorts of problems for those who work with us, all sorts of problems for those who we're going to minister to. Why? Because they don't know what they're going to get from us. They don't know what kind of an attitude. They don't know where we're going to be. We need to be settled in. And this is another area. So we examine ourselves in the area of our attire. We examine ourselves in this area of unsettled living. Uh, third, if you look at verse 27 again, uh, it says here at the very end, neither abode any house but in the tombs, but in the tombs. And I call this one the examination of dark interests, dark interests. You know, have you noticed um, my word? I see some of the little kids video games that people play right now. And I wonder why every character on those is so evil looking. Uh, and so uh, part of it, I honestly think, it's getting, it's getting a group of young people primed for the supernatural that when some things are going on in the book of Revelation and stuff, they're just going to think, oh, this is normal. This is odd, but it's normal. Dark interest. Part of darkness is operating in secret. God doesn't want us operating in secret. If you feel that you have to, you have to handle things in secret and you have to keep things in secret, no, it's the light it's the light that sets you free. It's getting those things out into the light. That doesn't mean you broadcast it to everybody in church. That doesn't mean it has to be the topic of your conversations. But when you bring it to the Lord in the light, you know how many times I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know you know this about me, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. I'm going to bring it out in the open. We have to, we have to not only look at where we are and examine ourselves in this area of attire and unsettled living, but dark interests. I can remember talking to a Christian man uh, a couple of years back, maybe a few years back. And as he was asking me some questions and telling me these things that he was doing, I thought, my word, that sounds so evil. So I went and I had, honestly, I had to look up some of the words he was using to find out what they meant. And then I went back to him and I said, do you realize that this is, all these things you're telling me are about like 
dead people and dead things and all of that. I said, that's, that's a dark interest. There's something wrong there. And we have to be careful about it. There are things appropriately kept private, but the devil always encourages the cloak of darkness and our being uh, destitute of light. We don't, wanna, we don't want to be going about, and that's, a, that's an area of examination. Am, it, look, it, the whole goal here is to say, am I what I appear to be? When I get to church on Sunday, am I consistent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Is my spirit consistent? Is my life consistent? Is my attitude consistent? Now, we all have ups and downs. We all have difficulties and and times that we just cannot be. But what you'll find is that when you're consistent, these things will start sort of leveling out, and you'll have control over the spirit. And it's really that God has control over our spirit. So there's things that need to be kept private, but there's many things that need to be brought to the light uh, of the word of God and to God. You see, darkness impacts our outlook. Uh, we oftentimes think we're, it's gloomy and it's hopeless. You know that hopelessness is built upon a lack of faith. And Romans 10:17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When you're falling into that area of hopelessness, then I say what you do is you've got to get to the word of God. You've got to re- read the word of God. You've got to get into the word of God. You've got to make it a tremendous part of your life. So we're looking at, it's a self-examination. Why? Because we want to be the real thing all the time. Not just Sunday morning, not just Sunday night, not just Wednesday. No, we want to be consistent. So how do we do that? We look at these things and we say, let me examine my opinions on attire. Let me look at my areas of unsettled living. Let me look at, do I have uh, dark interests or things that uh, uh, catch my attention that I have to be careful about? In uh, Look over in verse um, 28. In verse 28. It says, when he saw Jesus and fell down before him and with a loud voice. You ever wonder why certain things are there, you know, like loud voice? Just some like that sometimes stands out to me. And what I thought of is, are we boisterous? Are we boisterous in our communication? Are we roaring and turbulent and stormy and, and uh, disorderly and agitated? You know, you, you can talk to some people. We've done it on a Friday where you talk and we said, my word, every time you talk to them, they just have such an angry spirit. They just have such a boisterous spirit. Uh, they have such a loud spirit. Now, look, in the area of righteousness and, and proper behavior uh, and doing right, we need to stand up for righteousness but I know, you know, didn't we hear from Pastor this morning and he talked about how there's times where it's just right to let's not say anything. So we have to look at ourselves and see how do we communicate this person who was influenced by those devils or possessed. Uh, this was a spirit that he gave to this man. I look at and say we need to examine ourselves and see if this is a spirit that I possess We know we want a Christ-like spirit, and God wants us to have a Christ-like spirit. But we don't need to be that one who, you know, it's like, I can't imagine, uh, if you think about it, I I deal with a few people's problems and different things and this and that. Well, what about our pastors who deal with all of our problems and all those difficulties? And and then we are on top of it where we're loud and we're boisterous and and we're roaring. And he knows, oh, my word, any time that phone rings and and I see that caller ID on there, it's like, this is going to be a tough one. You know, this one's going to, this one's going to, this one's going to tax me. Uh, you want them to call on Friday, 
not on not on Monday when your week starts out, but boisterous. Verse 28, this person was boisterous. Look again at verse uh, 28. What did he say here? Uh, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Torment me not. Listen, if you have an idea that God is out for you, you're mistaken. God is not out for you. He's out for your best interest. He's out for your, your eternal uh, uh, joy. He's out for the salvation of your soul, but he is not out to get you. Think about it. What would God have to do to be out to get us? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. What, absolutely nothing. Don't think along that line. Don't think along the line of God won't bless me. Uh, he's not going to use me. Now, the, my goal tonight isn't to refute each one of these points. It's to say we need to examine ourselves. We need to look at ourselves and say, am I real? Am I what I'm supposed to be? But on this one, I want you to remember Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. John 10:10. 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it. More abundantly, more abundantly, God is not out for you. So you know what? If you've got that sense that God is out for me, well, then you're possessing a spirit that's not right. You're possessing a spirit. You're retaining that spirit. And 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 you've got to deal with that. You want to get to that spot where, listen, is life perfect for me? No, absolutely not. But my word, it's such a blessing. It's, it's amazing to think of all the things that God does and all of that that he has planned for us. Look over again at, uh, at verse uh, 29. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in feathers. Kept bound with chains, and I think of violence and hurt and harm. You know, the tendency today in violence is that it's subtle. Now, I'm, I'm a little guy, right? And, but you, you've got these big things thinking. I can remember years ago, I, I had been saved and somebody was doing something. And I thought, you know, I'm saved, but I still want to punch you right in the mouth. Now, I would never do that. That was never my kind of spirit or never the attitude I have. But, but what we do today is, is violence is not always physical. And one of the things I said to one of my sons uh, some time back, we were talking about, I think it was MMA or something like that. And I said, listen, you've got to look back at the book of Genesis and see why God punished the earth with the flood. Violence was a big part of it. So, so God is not for that, but today, oftentimes, violence is very subtle. Now, if you watch anything on the news, Joanne told me the other day, she was talking to a young person at work, young in their 20s, I guess. Um, yeah, that's young. Uh, and she said to them, hey, are you, you know, are you aware of what's going on in Portland and this and that? And the person was like, Portland? No, what's going on in Portland? And we're like, really? You don't know? Now, there are, there are society today, what the scripture tells us, the evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. And the, listen, it's rampant and all, all along. But oftentimes, what we do is our violence is not physical. I'm not going to walk up and slap you in the back of the head or, or anything like that. It's very subtle. 
and how we demonstrate our violence is we're critical online. I still can't figure out what in the world there's anything good on Facebook or, or any of these other areas, this social media stuff. And I know we can use it, but my word, there is so much harm out there, so much, so much negative, but it's, it's critical, on, uh, critical uh, spirit online. I was listening to, um, there's a guy, Jordan Peterson, I think is his name. Um, I don't believe he's a Christian. I don't know, but he's a clinical psychologist, and uh, he has some biblical principles in some of the things that I see. Uh, and he was talking about uh, the difference between men and women, how they handle violence. And he was talking about more for, for women, uh, it was more this words and, and, and tearing others down and, and doing it with that big smile on your face. And, you know, we post all these things out online and, uh, and then we come to church and we're all dressed pretty and all that. And it's like, you know, I thought that's like putting lipstick on a pig, isn't it? You know, and that doesn't make sense to me. We want to be consistent. We want to, we want, I don't know, phony is so, so difficult at times. Uh, but here's what happens, or, or here's what we do. It's moral outrage directed at someone else because of a decision they've made. Moral outrage. I can remember, you know, I, I, do, I am very careful. Um, when I'm doing the offerings, I really do. I put that envelope in front of me and I type in the number and I try not to look up at the screen and see things. And I just want to give us all a measure of privacy in our giving. It's between us and the Lord. But when you do it week after week after week, you can't help but see things. You can't help but know uh, certain areas. And I, I laugh about this moral outrage time because, you know, there was so much stuff going on. The church is being worked on, all these things doing, and we're seeing God bless all these areas. And, and I'm listening to some of the complaints, and my, my flesh in the background, I just bit my tongue. I don't say anything, but I'm like, well, I know you haven't given a penny in years to anything so it's the moral outrage. It's just that. What is that? That's violence handled in today's way. That's, that's not the way that we need to handle things, Christians. Not at all. There's that refusal to yield, submit, and coexist. How's the work of God going to go forward when we can't coexist? I don't get along with the pastor. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. We're here together. We're here serving the Lord together. We need to be careful. That's an area that we need to examine ourselves we need to look at our attitude on our attire. We look at our attitude uh, on the unsettled living. Do we have an area of dark interests? Are we, our spirit, is it always that boisterous and loud? Uh, we have to be careful uh, that we're not thinking that God is out for, or God is out for us. God is not out for us. Um, he is not one, and it, he's not looking to hurt and harm us. Uh, we have to look again there at verse 29. We see violence and hurt and harm. Look down again at verse 29 and what it says there at the very end. It says, and he broke the bands. Now, that guy didn't just break the bands, you know. Oh, How did he do that? There was, there was violence involved there. Um, he broke the bands, and then it says, and he was driven of the devil into the, into the wilderness. Driven, into the, driven of the devil into the wilderness. What's the wilderness? Oftentimes it's just a state of disorder. Have you ever gone into some situation and you think, my word, look, at God is not the author of confusion. And things around here are so disorganized and so disorderly uh, that 
you're never going to be able to function. If, you're, if your thought at times is, I'm falling apart just below the surface, confusion is there and a lack of peace, all of these things can be addressed. But we have to look at them and say, am I real? What I want from us tonight is that when we present ourselves here on Sunday, it's just a true presentation of who we are. Now, here's a little difficult spot I find myself in at times. Because I'm a big one. The word hypocrite is an actor. And I think that when you're a Christian and you act like you're not a Christian, you're a hypocrite. You're being an actor. And I say to you, when you're a Christian and you don't feel like acting like a Christian, you don't want to act like a Christian, but you choose to act like a Christian, even though you don't feel like it, that's not hypocritical people. That is saying, I'm Lord I'm going to keep my body under and force myself to do what's right. You know, sometimes when we do that, it just becomes part of it. It becomes part of who we are. It's not a phony. It's not a phony that, oh, I've got to put on these airs. No, I want us to look and examine ourselves and see that, no, what I present on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night is the real thing. Now, I'm not sure who's getting those brownies and cookies ready, but you can get them ready. Unless you have to do that, Pastor. Okay. So we go point by point through each of these checklist items, and we may find that they play off one another. Uh, sometimes what happens in these areas is they play off one another in a negative way. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm unsettled, and that leads me to be also in the wilderness. I feel that nobody's there for me. I can't be around other Christians. I want you know all of these things that go on. We have to be careful, but we know the end of the story. If you look in there uh, over at verse 35, at the end of this story, what do we find? It says, then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The end of the story and the same result is available to every one of us today. All of these, these things, these are not examining points for us to look at each other and say, hmm, is he real? Is he? No. Let's, let's clean the inside of the vessel so that the outside is naturally taken care of. It's that, it's that working of God, you know, that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's, it's coming out. It's that work that God has done on the inside of me is coming out. What do we do? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, that was the end of the story. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and the impact that it has on our attitude, on our spirit, on our behavior. And it provides, sitting at the feet of Jesus provides an avenue for the cleansing to take place inside. So the exterior then reflects a true representation of what God's doing on the inside. That's what we're looking for. Let's be, let's be the kind of people who are consistent day to day. Examine yourself. And if there's areas in here, listen, you may need to come to somebody and say, listen, I struggle in this area. Help me. But do it appropriately. Do it properly. Uh, you know, I think a pastor mentioned the other day about, you know, we start talking about sin that we are involved in before we're saved. No, don't, don't ever build that up. 
And you have to do the same thing. When you're, you know, when you're coming to somebody and you're looking for some advice, you can be discreet, you can be careful, but it might be that you need to do that. But examine yourself in these seven different areas and see, Lord, would you change me? Would you bring these about? And then maybe someday we'll see, well, we know what the Spirit of God wants, all that fruit of the Spirit to come out. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, would you take some simple thoughts and help us to examine ourselves uh, that the Word of God might be, again, uh, we know the Word of God has the ability to cleanse us, to clean us, to change us, to turn us about. Uh, my Father, we need you to work. Would you help us to be a people who are so impacted by Christ that we would truly be called Christians because of our behavior? Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to do a mighty work. In Jesus' name, amen.